0: The daily tap is live for Thursday. It is March 23rd. We're going to talk about the Bucks understanding the importance of the one seed. We're going to do some golden kegs for Bucks Spurs. We're also going to talk about the Elijah Moore trade to the Browns. Is that the move before the move? And when we say before the move, we mean the Aaron Rodgers move. We'll discuss that uh in our second part of the show. Last part of the show. We'll talk about why I was right about Corbin Burns, all right? I'm going to take a victory lap on Corbin Burns, uh, if you don't mind. It's not exactly like the best victory lap, but it's a victory lap that I need to take, I need to do for myself, and I am going to do that later this podcast. So stay tuned to that. Uh, Just a reminder, make sure that you are rating and reviewing. Uh, We are on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Amazon put out invite. I got to take care of that. We'll try to do that sooner rather than later. Get us on Amazon. Uh, Make sure you're connecting with us on social media. Tabby the Keg on Twitter. Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. We are also on Facebook at that same account. I don't think we're on anything else. No Discord yet. uh, No Reddit. uh, None of that yet. But who knows? If if there was ever a Tabby the Keg subreddit, I I, I think I would feel like I made it. Uh, but, yeah, all good things. Uh, make sure that you're connected there, and we really appreciate it. Uh, scheduling for the rest of the week, we'll have another show Friday. You'll have me again. Uh, so, no, Mitch. I know it's been a long time since we've done a podcast with Mitch. He will be back on, I think we'll take, we'll run that podcast on Tuesday. Uh, we'll run the 500th, 500th episode on Tuesday. I'm tempted to maybe do Monday. It'll really just depend. I have the Jokic stuff. Maybe actually I do it, actually do it on Monday. And then we talk about the Jokic Giannis thing as a whole, because Embiid will play Jokic on Tuesday. Um, now I'm getting into the inside baseball of it, so which you guys don't care about. And I do this all the time. Where I'm like, all right, but anyways, you'll have me tomorrow. All right, enough about me and on to the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Milwaukee Bucks took care of business tonight against the Lowly San Antonio Spurs. Uh, this was their last quote unquote easy game in a while. I would say easy game in a while, but it, it gets kind of tough here. Uh, it's not necessarily easy for the Bucs in the next week plus. They have a couple of easy games with Detroit and Indiana. But sandwiched in that is Utah and, De- Utah and Denver, Boston, and Philadelphia. It's like starting to run up the hill, right, maybe for altitude purposes. It's like starting out, like running straight up a hill. And then you get a little baby downhill. And you're like, okay, this is great. Like that now I'm – I'm moving, I'm feeling good, like I hit the peak. Now, wait, wait, what's this other hill doing? And then that's Boston and Philadelphia. That's kind of the Bucs schedule right now. So it's like this. You have a little bit of a valley, but you have two hills. And while Utah is right around the playing game, Utah at home is a different environment. That is a fucking tough place to play. They have a great home record. I know they got beat by the Blazers tonight, which was stunning as someone with a Utah minus five ticket. I would never have saw that coming just given how bad the blazers have looked it did not matter uh the blazers were able to win that basketball game uh which I just I did not did not foresee uh and you know that's why that's why they have the big uh big uh, the big buildings in Vegas like that's exactly it right so anyways uh here nor there but the Milwaukee Bucks are very close to getting that one seed. they it's in range they're two and a half games up up on Boston, three on Philly, and there's only a few games left in the schedule. So if you do the math at home, if you're watching the golf match play stuff, it's similar, right? They're, they're running out of holes. Boston and Philadelphia are running out of holes to catch up from the Milwaukee Bucks, and it would take something catastrophic for the Bucks because they don't play every night on the same night, unlike baseball, for the Bucks to completely fall apart and lose the one seed. And, by the way... There is a tiebreaker that will decide this one seed potentially next Thursday night when the Bucs take on the Celtics. But the Bucs have now understood the importance of the one seed. Grayson Allen, before the game against San Antonio, spoke out to Eric Dame and said bluntly that the Bucs want the one seed, that the Bucs are paying attention to what's going on. They understand what they have to do night in, night out, and that it is very important to them to get the one seed. Now, I didn't expect Grayson Allen to be the guy that would say it. Maybe and that should have been assumed that it wouldn't be great it wouldn't be Giannis, it wouldn't be Drew, it wouldn't be Brooke, it wouldn't be Drew, one one of the lead or Chris. I I said Drew twice. But it wouldn't be one of the leaders, basically, is what I said. You know, and it'd be somebody else that would, you know, say what we're all thinking. And I give Grayson a lot of credit for being honest. Like that's very transparent to the media, and being open and saying, all right, yeah, we want this one seat. And this is an entirely different attitude than what the Bucs had last season. The Bucks last season sauntered into the playoffs. They let Boston get the two seed when they were the three. They gave that to Boston. That can't be forgotten. I think it will if the Bucs win another championship. It'll just be a footnote. There'll be a yeah, but. But that is an entire yeah, but year because of the Chris Middleton injury. The Bucs know that they fucked that up. And this is their way of saying it. now. Will Grayson Allen be out there and saying that type of thing? No, of course not. That's not, you know, guys are way too media trained at this point to be doing dumb shit like that. But I do think Grayson Allen is trying to say, like, hey, yeah, we we didn't do our part last year. We should have easily been a two seed. We should, we could have been a one seed. That was there, and the Bucs had some bad losses down the stretch. And the Heat kind of stumbled their way into the one seed. And now does this mean that the Bucs, if they were to one, would they have, you know, beat Philadelphia without Chris Middleton? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, Philly's a solid team. We've been asking for Bucks Sixers in the playoffs. It hasn't happened yet. feels like it's never going to happen, weirdly. Uh, and so we, th- that's an unknown, right? But they might have been able to. And if they were able to escape the Sixers without Chris Middleton, and then they played Boston, and maybe Middleton could have gave it a go on his knee. That is like the big, like, what if, right? We ne- we'll never know if Chris Middleton was able to play in the Eastern Conference Finals or in the Finals. I don't know if he's been asked. Maybe he has, and I just have missed that information. But we'll always hold strong, right? We'll always hold strong that there was a chance that Chris Middleton could have came back if if healthy for the rounds ahead. I still don't know if Milwaukee wins that Miami series if they had to play after that Boston series. It was an absolute fight. It was an absolute war. Miami was a different beast than Atlanta, right, where the Bucks got done with a war in round two against Brooklyn, where it really felt like the NBA finals. Like, that, to me, was the best series out of all of them. If we had to rank the 2021 year, that was the best series. That was the one that was the most dramatic. That was the one that was the most intense. That was the one where you were just hanging on every fucking shot. I think the Suns is right is right there, but it's not to me it, it wasn't parallel to what we saw with the Nets series. And because of that, like the Bucks were lucky because they played Atlanta and they kind of I would I don't want to say they backed into it, but it, it helped them out. And then Giannis goes down and they have to do it without Giannis. Remember, and that's that can't be forgotten. Bucks clinched the NBA Eastern Conference Finals without Giannis on Takumbo. Because they got great contributions from Brooke Lopez, Jeff Teague's random three point barrage in game six. I mean, there are so many different little moments. Bobby Portis was great. Like that can't be lost in the Bucks' championship history. And I'm not trying to do a nostalgia hour here. What I'm trying to point out is that the one seed carries so much weight this year. And I think every year. And I think that was one of the things that we as fans hoped. After last year ended the way it did, that the Bucs would realize. That the Bucs would start taking this shit seriously. That we can't say regular season doesn't matter. I admitted that on podcasts last summer that I was wrong about that. That was something I said a lot last year. If you go back to March podcasts where I was talking Bucks last year, find any of the March podcasts. I'm sure I'm telling you that regular season doesn't mean that much. We just have to get to the playoffs. That was a bad attitude to have. That cost me dearly because the mistakes the Bucs kept happening in the regular season showed up in the playoffs as well. So that's where I look at this year and I just see a different team. I see a different attitude. Now, granted, they've added players. They're they're a little hungrier, right? You don't have a championship. You're not as hungry as you were at defending a title. It's just science. You're always going to want more. And – the hunger to get back there, I think, is driving this Bucs team. And they are running at full cylinders. The Kings and Suns games were two of the most impressive fourth quarters that I've watched in a long time. We didn't talk too much about the Raptors game on, I think we did a little bit on Monday. But I mean, that was another example where fourth quarter shut it down. Every, everything got shut down. The Bucs won that game. So I look at, I look at the Bucs right now and I know that they won it. And I know that they can taste it. I know that they know what's there. And it's really refreshing. It's really good to hear this from Grayson Allen. And, Alan. and, I'm glad, and I, as I said before, I'm glad he said it. And I also know that the Bucs see this, see the road ahead of them, and say, all right, first of all, as the eights, as the one, we're likely not, we're likely going to avoid Miami. And that to me is important. I still think we can beat Miami in four or five games, but Miami's going to beat you up. You're going to have bruises from a Miami series. Now, I think Miami will end up being the sixth. And then Philadelphia or Boston will see Miami in the first round. Ideally Boston, I think, at this point. Uh, But because I I just don't know if Brooklyn is sustainable. Uh, They've lost four straight. They can't beat a good team. Uh, They're kind of, all of a sudden, they're taking on water. And then you you have Atlanta, who is probably going to be the eighth. I think Toronto could get that eight seed, right? It's gonna be, it's probably likely going to be Brooklyn, Atlanta. It could be Brooklyn, could end up being Brooklyn as the eight, and then it's either Brooklyn, the Raptors, or the Bulls at this point. And it seems like the Bulls are are the one that are the closest. Uh, the Wizards have fallen out of flavor. They're a complete mess. The Pacers have not been playing with Halliburton, yet. They're only a one and a half games back. So it's like, do do the Pacers want this? Pacers want to try to sneak their way into the playoffs. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have to see if Tyrese Halliburton come back. And so, playing either the Hawks, Bulls, Raptors, maybe the Nets is a lot. Sounds a lot better than playing the Miami Heat, probably. Or or the Hawks was probably the other option. I think that that works a lot. That works in the Bucks' favor. And then you go to round two. And you're likely playing the Cavs or the Knicks. Again, I think the Cavs and the Knicks are good, but the Cavs this year are kind of East Coast Kings where they can play to a certain opponent, but when they step up, when they're an underdog, usually in a matchup, they fall apart. They're not very good. They they need a little bit more. They're they're like one year away, I think, maybe two. So you look at that series, and, and it seems like that would set up well for the Bucs. So that would mean that probably their first really quote-unquote tough series would come in the Eastern Conference Finals. Whereas, if you're a two-seed or you're a three-seed, you could be seeing Miami in the first round. Maybe you see Toronto in the first round. I mean, yes, Toronto, the worst-case scenario for the Bucs in the first round, perhaps, but I I told you guys on Monday I'm not afraid of Toronto. They beat them three times. Uh, I think that Nick Nurse is running a very, like, Tight unit. He's only playing like seven guys. I think you wear down in the playoffs. I don't think that's going to work. So, I like what the Bucks have against the Raptors. I'm not. I don't think the Raptors are as much of a boogeyman at this point. You avoid that Miami first round. You avoid the second round matchup between either Celtics or the Sixers, and there you have it. And you be you will have the Eastern Conference Finals, which will be probably like the NBA Finals. And then who's ever waiting for you in the West? The West is a mess. And maybe someone will emerge in the next two weeks, three weeks, and start looking good. But that that answer is still completely unknown. It could be the eight seed. It could be the seven seed. For all we know, it's the West is just a complete clusterfuck. And I really do think the Eastern Conference Finals, no matter if it's Bucks Sixers, Bucks Celtics, Celtics Sixers, for some reason, uh, it would. That's the finals. That's going to be the NBA finals. And that. That will kind of determine, I think, who, who ends up taking home the Larry O'Brien trophy. So the fact that the Bucks know the one seed is the goal is really strong. Another thing to consider before we wrap this up, the Bucs also could get the overall number one seed. So the Bucs right now are three games ahead of Denver where they're playing on Saturday night. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that game uh, tomorrow. They are currently... T- Three and a half up on the on the nuggets. So that means that the Bucks can clinch a the overall number one seed, and then they have home court in the NBA finals, which they didn't have against Phoenix. That's kind of one of those weird forgotten things. So they had to go their first two games to Phoenix and these rabid fans that felt like they were on meth or something like that. And now instead you'd have Milwaukee for the first two and then you'd be going to wherever wherever you're playing next. And I think that's a massive advantage for the Milwaukee Bucks as well. So that adds to the importance. And it's really good that the Bucks kind of have seen this and see it a little bit clearer. And you don't expect your teams to listen to the fans, and they probably didn't hear a lot of this. But it's good to know that the fans and the team are aligned on one goal. Well, one goal of winning the championship. But also, the first step of that championship is getting that one seed. Moving on to our second segment of today, we had a trade at the NFL. Elijah Moore was sent to the Cleveland Browns, not the Green Bay Packers, for a second-round pick. Uh, the Jets got the Browns' third-round pick for this deal. So, Jets now have a extra—or th- no, the Jets gave the Browns a the third-round pick, excuse me. So— the Jets now have an extra second round pick, and it is the 42nd pick, and the Jets happen to have the 43rd pick. Now, Green Bay has themselves the 45th pick. This is all interesting. Because a lot of people thought Elijah Warren might be in an Aaron Rodgers deal because they have so many wide receivers now. <laughs> it just signed Michael to Hardman too, which is crazy. I which means Randall Cobb's probably not coming back. Randall Cobb, if I'm Randall Cobb, just a little advice here. Dude, just retire and be Donald Driver. Like, he works with Lambie, same company that that Driver works for. Just be fucking Donald Driver, man. Do a bunch of endorsements. Make a ton of money. I'm sure Associated Bank would have you back. Uh, I used to work there a long time ago, and we had Randall Cobb as one of our sponsors. They loved him there. Just do that, man. Just go back and do that. I'm telling you. Randall Cobb can make a ton of money. Being like an Aaron Rodgers defender on local radio here, like I just I don't know if that's exactly what Randall Cobb wants to do. I actually think Randall Cobb he's a really smart guy could do politics. I think if he wanted to, he could do that. I think he could do media, um, like actual media, NFL media, not just like rinky-dink radio shows where you're called your dude talk radio as bitch uh, likes to call it. Uh, but anyways, so that Elijah Moore is dealt. Nico Hardman signs with the Jets. All these things, the signs, if you will, are pointing to maybe we're getting closer to an Aaron Rodgers deal. Two second rounders sounds a lot better than one second rounder. I would agree that I still would like a first round pick. I think we all want a first round pick. Talking to Murph a little bit today about it, and Murph's out of mourning. uh, For those who don't know Murph, diehard Packer fan, but very much an Aaron Rodgers fan. Very upset on how all this was handled. And he's finally, you know, actually talking ball. It's great. I'm glad he's out of the morning period. And he basically thinks that the reason why the Jets aren't willing to give up a one is because they're calling the Packers bluff. They don't think the Packers can afford the money to pay two first rounders this year. Packers do not have that in in terms of cap. Now, we all know that the cap's not very real. They can maneuver it. I think with rookie stuff, it gets a little harder. I will say that. So, Ken Inglis, you've won one against me. That said, I look at two second rounders, and then you add the third third one that the Packers have. Packers have had a very, very good success in the second round. It's been a place where they have eight. Like they have had, you know, Jordan Nelson, Greg Jennings, Nick Collins, Elton Jenkins. Like those are all Packers greats, right? Those are all guys that have really succeeded. Someone had a full list. Of all the great guys they've got, kind of in the range of forty-two to fifty-two. Also, it means the Green Bay Packers could probably move up to the first round. If the Green Bay Packers really like somebody at the end of the first round, they could probably package one one of those picks and move up, or one of those picks plus the seventh rounder, and move up to to draft to the first round. Like that's certainly on the table for Green Bay if they if they want to, right? And so I think having that ability, and they did it last year, right? They they had quite, well, no, they didn't move up, but they had two first-round picks. It would not surprise me if Green Bay did something similar. And I look at this Elijah Moore thing as the warning shot, if you will. And I don't mean that in, like, the Jets are warning the Packers, like, we'll go in another direction. I don't think that's the case. I think they know Aaron Rodgers wants to be a Jet. I know they know it's the best option. That's all they have. They were if they did a Matt Stafford trade, I'm telling you, the fan base would still revolt. Even though Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl, he'll probably be a Hall of Famer. He's banged up. I don't think you can sell Matt Stafford to this franchise. I really don't. I it's Aaron Rodgers a bust. And they they have to kind of find a way to get it done. And they probably asked Brian Gudakus. Like, if we could find a second second rounder, would that start would that continue the conversation? And My guy Spencer on Instagram asked me, like, what's the ceiling in the floor in terms of a package? Like, what what looks the best for Green Bay? And I really think a ceiling is the Green Bay Packers getting those two second rounders. they swapping picks in the first round. So that means the Green Bay Packers draft 13th, the Jets draft 15th. It's a small thing, but it's, it's nice, right? Gives the Packers a little more draft capital, a little more ability. If they wanted to move up, they could. And then Jermaine Johnson, who was last year's a last year draft pick from the Jets, first rounder, edge guy, really talented, would solve some of the Packers' needs in terms of drafting an edge. That takes care of one less thing they have to draft for. Now, I, I don't hate drafting an edge in the fifth or sixth round. You know, if he if he's the best on your board, go after him and get him. But I do I do feel like that's the best case scenario. And then probably conditional third. And it becomes a second if they make the playoffs. It becomes a first if they make the Super Bowl. And maybe it's contingent on Aaron Rodgers' staying. Like, it's a second no matter what. Like, if you make the playoffs, it's a second no matter if Rodgers stays or goes. If Rodgers stays and you win a Super Bowl or you get to the Super Bowl, it's a first-round pick. Vests into a first-round pick. Which, again, that's that's good. That would be awesome. I think everybody's taking Brian Gutekus' praises. If that's what happens, that's the C ce- that to me is the ceiling. The floor is somehow only getting those two second rounders and that's it. Maybe Corey Davis, Corey Davis, is a fine player. He's kind of like Alan Lazard. He's a good blocky wide receiver. Uh, but he, he's definitely not amounted to his talent. He's, he's good, not great. He, from what I've heard from Jets fans, he's kind of like AJ Hawk in the sense that he was a top five pick. He got picked up by the Jets from the Titans. They expected him to have this bounce back year or whatever and be really good with tight, with the Jets. He wasn't. Uh he struggled. He's now kind of regulate regulated to a second or third receiver. Uh, but he can block. He can do that. He's also has a relationship with Matt LeFleur. They you know, he was, Matt was on staff when Davis was on Titans. So you have that. And Davis would bring a veteran presence to the receivers room, which I think is desperately needed with Dobbs and Watson, and if you draft another another wide receiver, then, yeah, you're going to need an old guy there to kind of work with them. And I think Corey Davis could do that. I think he's talented enough and can take a chance on talent. I never hate taking a chance on talent. Corey Davis was a top-five pick for a reason. You can look at the quarterbacks that Corey Davis has played with, and none of them are as good as Jordan Love. So he has that going for him. So there is a potential that Corey Davis could – Break out. He also has had some injury issues, which they Weir, trainer of the year for the Green Bay Packers. Uh so who knows? Maybe maybe that that could go away. But I do think if they got like two seconds or they got one second in Corey Davis and a conditional third in 2024, that would probably be the most disappointing version. Because in that case, it's like they why did you wait? Why did you just do this deal yesterday? How that's what you got dug in for? Doesn't really make a a whole lot of sense. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see if this is something that's imminent or if they're still going to be this cat and mouse. It's been amazing how tight lipped everything has been that no one's leaking anything. It is a complete cone of silence. You've not heard anything from the Jets side. You haven't heard anything from the Packers side. There's no, the Jets are getting frustrated. The Packers are annoyed with what the Jets keep sending. So who knows? Maybe they're not talking that much. Maybe they just decided, like, hey, look, we know Aaron wants to come here. Once you're done with all your moves, Hardman, Moore, maybe they're going to try to move off Denzel Mims. He also could go in, go to Green Bay. Corey Davis, again, they haven't moved off his salary. It seems logical that they would. Like, when you're officially ready, you call us. And then we'll start hammering out compensation and we'll tell you what we want with what you have. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why things are so tight lipped because nobody's talking like literally, like not just like we're not talking to Diana Rossini or Shafter. Just no one's talking to one another. That's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to be critical. I just, I'm just trying to theorize why we haven't heard anything. You know, Mike Florio got all fucking mad. He filled his diaper today, which Mike Florio does a lot and was like, Oh, the Packers need to make a move. They need to do this. They need to do it right now. As I say a lot with Florio, we've talked about him on the podcast a few times. He's a Vikings fan, all right? Everything he writes is slanted to a Vikings fan perspective. Mike Florio likes to say he's not biased. He's fucking lying to every one of you. I think all Packer fans know that, so i appreciate pretty sure the choir. But anyways, Florio was like, hey, look, the Packers need to do this deal. Because if they don't, the Jets can say, fuck you, we're going to move on. First of all, how do you sell that to your fan base? The Jets have not made the playoffs for 12 years. That is the longest drought in the NFL right now. By seven years. The last team is five. I think it's the Lions and some maybe somebody else is at five. The Jets are at 12. It's like Marquette and not winning a tournament game, but longer. It's actually Shock and Smart, right? Shock and Smart, you know, last time he won a tournament game before this year was 2011. That's the last time the Jets were in the fucking playoffs. Do you know how hard that is? You, The NFL has its most parity. The fucking Jaguars, sorry to use all the apps, but like the Jaguars were in the playoffs last year, right? And they were number one pick the year prior. That's how quick it can turn. But for the Jets, they've continued to stumble. So how are you going to sell to a rabid fan base, to a crazy-ass fan base, that you're not going to get Aaron Rodgers? Hey, here's Teddy Bridgewater. That is, to me, the biggest fuck you I've I've ever seen. There is no way. There is no way that would happen. So then the other part of it, Packers owe Aaron Rodgers $40 million. Aaron Rodgers is owed $40 million no matter what. Packers owe him an additional $20 million at the start of the year. That is at the start of the year. Week one is, let's see, let's do the do the math here for a little Mikey Florio. Okay, so we're five months. Five months from now is August 22nd. That is a Tuesday for those keeping track. Uh, and then, so we have two, let's see, so five plus two. Awesome math here. So we're really looking at five months and two and a half weeks. That's it. That's so long. There's so much that can happen. There's there's no way that a deal won't get done. Is it the Packers' fault if they don't get a deal done before the draft? Yes, 100%. I will be critical of Green Bay for not getting more draft capital this coming year, in a year where Packers have holes to fill. Packers. If things work out well, they could be a top team in the NFC. I'm not going to put them on that pedestal yet until I watch a few games. With Jordan Love. But could I be saying on this podcast come mid early November that the Packers are lurking as a Super Bowl contender? Is it too young, too fast, too quick? Or I don't know how. I, I, what would that? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. But could it be that? Yeah, it certainly could. The right amount of picks. So that forces the issue to get something done. That's what needs to happen. That doesn't need to happen yet. We still have five weeks for the draft. I guarantee you that unless Green Bay feels satiated and they feel all right, we know what we want to do. Brian Guku is also remember, He's a guy who likes going to pro days. He's a scout. There could be a lot of that. But Brian Guku is like, look, man, I'm going to pro days right now. I will not want to talk about this shit. When once pro days are over, I'll come we'll have this conversation. So again, to feed into that point of why no one's saying anything, why there are no leaks, because there's no trade talks right now. And it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Maybe the Jets do leak it out, like, oh, we haven't talked to backers in a week about Aaron Rodgers. They've won radio silent. And that would be a huge headline and you know, get up at first take, and uh, mad dog be like, What are they doing? Why 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 aren't they talking? That's an awful mad dog impression. Um, I will never do that again, I promise. I'm also, you know, still battling a little bit of a cold. So maybe I'll try my mad dog um without a cold. Uh, but will it's a workshop. I probably should have Sessa given my cold. Like dog, dog, I, I don't know why why they aren't doing this. Why are they aren't talking. I don't know. That was bad too. It's whatever. Uh but anyways, uh, this just now went off the rails. Bring it back. I think that there's a real chance that, yeah, they're not really talking right now. And they're waiting for the Jets to get all their moves done. They're waiting for Brian to wrap up all the Pro Day stuff. And a deal will get hammered out. It would not surprise me if in a week Aaron Rodgers is traded. It would not surprise me if it's two weeks, if it's three weeks. I don't mind waiting. I really don't. I, I'm i ready to talk about it when it happens. i talk about the compensation, what it means for Brian Grunekust. It's an extremely important draft for Brian Guttekust, 100%. It's an extremely important year for Brian Guttekust. And we'll just sort of see what happens. But, yeah, I do believe the Elijah Moore is the start of putting the wheels in motion. The question is, how fast do those wheels go now? Do they keep going at that slow, glacial pace? Or do they all of a sudden start chugging? And before you know it, Aaron Rodgers, a member of the New York Jets, Packers have a few more draft picks, maybe another player, and we can all move on to the next phase of the offseason, which everybody wants to do. All right, let's wrap up the show with me taking a victory lap about Corbin Burns. Not that I want to. I, I really don't because this is not actually a good segment. It's not me like saying, ha ha, I told you so, suck it. Kind of, but it, it's, it's not. Like, it, it's more disappointment. It was announced today by John Heyman, a.k.a. Scott Boris's lackey, that Scott Boris has signed Corbin Burns. So there's a few things here that are worth going over. Number one, I was right about Corbin Burns overplaying his hand. I just want everybody that's on the record, you'd be like, Charlie, it was $750,000. How could you? We went through all the math on this. It was a podcast we did in December or January. You can go listen. I'm telling you, you will learn everything you need to know about arbitration. If you want me to send it to you, I will send it directly to you. I think it's one of the smartest things we did that I've done. I was really proud of it. I will be more than happy to send it to you and teach you a lesson in arbitration. But anyways, Corn Burns overplayed his hand. His agents told him he could get a certain amount of money. The Brewers were trying to meet him in the middle, trying to settle before going into an arbitration hearing. They didn't. Corn Burns was very dramatic about everything. A Rosiak then you know cleaned it up and said, Yeah, that, that wasn't exactly what happened. Corbin was kind of a little bit in his feels from every everything he said. And so instead of Corbin Byron saying, All right, these are the agents that are gonna deliver me a big-time contract, nope, I'm firing you and I'm going with Scott Boris. You don't change agents if you were happy with how the arbitration thing went. To me, that is Corbin saying. We overplayed our hand. Scott would have never let this come. And I'm sure the Boris Corp was ever helped. I'm sure Scott was involved. But Scott and his associates were like, look, we wouldn't have that happen to you. If you wanted to force a trade out of Milwaukee, we could make that happen. We could start talking about it. We could start working on a long-term deal with Milwaukee if that's something you're interested in. If you want to know what your numbers are, and they could tell you. And we could tell you what you're going to get in the open market. The Boris Corp is very good at this. They do it all the time. And when they sign with small small market players, the usual distinction is they're gone. And so that's why I'm not that excited about this. Like, usually when I'm right, I like to rub it in everybody's face. All right? I do. I'm sorry. It's a bad habit. I don't know why I do it. Uh, but I take great joy in being right. And maybe it's because my wife's right a lot. I'm not as when it means be in her. She is very fucking smart and she's right more than I'm right. And so because of that, I, uh, maybe that's why I enjoy being right so much in sort of the podcast form or, or like I'm doing content or whatever else. But that said, I don't take joy in this one because I look at it and say, all right, but Burns the Like this is, this is happening. Like corn burns is not going to be a brewer. Until his free agent year of 2024. Brewers are gonna move Corbin Burns. Now the question is where, when, when, not I said where, but where when do they move it? When does that happen? Well, we talked about it on yesterday's pod, which you can go listen to if you missed it. About expectations. And I said, I have no idea what to expect with the Milwaukee Brewers. I can see the Milwaukee Brewers winning 95 games, but I can also see them winning 78. And if the Brewers are at that 78 level, if they are at that, if they are projected to only win 75 to 80 games, then hell yeah, you should move Corbin Burns. If you are nowhere near the playing game, you're nowhere near any sort of playoffs, you're not playing good baseball, move on from Corbin Burns and make that decision because you're going to get a bigger haul in the middle of the season when people are desperate, when the Dodgers. Need starting pitching to compete with the San Diego Padres. New York Mets likely won't need pitching. Maybe the Houston Astros. Another example. Team needs pitching. They need to find their Verlander as they lost him. Like, and they need to make a move. And you get a great, great, you know, prospects out of it. And Corbin Burns would deliver great, great prospects. And the future would look bright. But It also wouldn't mean that you have to say, all right, fuck it, we're rebuilding. As I told you, Conspiracy Chuck said the reason they're doing this freshman video, not only to market the young guys, but to get everybody prepared for a rebuild because they know the fans absolutely fucking hate them right now. But again, we don't always listen to Conspiracy Chuck. So as long as they're not going to do the rebuild, they could extend Brandon Woodruff. They could extend Willie Adams. They extend both or one of them. I think this offseason has been successful. Now, granted, we're into the regular season in a week, which doesn't really feel like it, uh, which I think I mentioned on yesterday's show, too. But if they were able to get a deal done with Adamus or Woodruff, then all the, like, burn stuff goes away a little bit because you have two cornerstones. It's Woodruff, it's Adamus, it's Yelich. At some point, Rowdy will have a contract come up. Maybe Rowdy's the next one. Bill Contreras, you know, it's some. it'll be a long time before he comes up, but maybe. Fred Peralta already signed for a while. Aaron Ashby's already there for a while. I think they're going to try to do a deal with Jackson Churillo similar to Ryan Braun. Well, not Filler, but Ryan Braun, where Ryan got like 10 years, what was that $225 million, like out the gate. I think they're going to do the same thing with Churillo and try to get Churillo to sign early similar to what the Diamondbacks just did with Corbin Carroll. I I think that is on the precipice. And that is also one of the reasons why I think sometimes they're being a little stringent with money because they don't know how much it's going to cost to do that with Trio. And if Trio is really as good as everybody thinks he is, and I've I've floated this around, and I I will say this very lightly because this carries weight. There's a part of me that believes Trio could be the honest of the Brewers. I really like not fucking around with that. Like I'm not saying that lightly. Like I fully am all in on it. And I, I, I truly think he could be that good. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But that could be why the Brewers are maybe a little stringent. And but if they're if they can figure it out and say, all right, we're gonna extend Woodruff. Adamus we're still unsure about, and we'll we'll keep that carrot kind of dangling for Willie. And, but we'll sign Woodruff. We're we'll ready to go. Maybe next year's books will look better for Adamus. We bring in Adamus in, and then there you go. And then you trade Burns in the offseason. Because that's the other thing. I mean, if you're successful, unless they win a World Series, Burns is probably going to get traded this offseason. I, I think the only way it wouldn't happen is if they were in the NLCS or the World Series, would Burns not get traded? So I think it'd be a tough pill to swallow. I know the fans versus the Brewers is a classic Wisconsin rivalry at this point, but um, I'm surprised I don't get text messages like I do for the upcoming uh, Supreme Court race about, do you hate Mark Dananasio? Do you want him to sell? Press one for yes plus two for no. I saw some ridiculous TikTok video about how the Brewers could sell their team, which was so fucking funny. Uh, this guy makes like viral content. He has a whole strategy. It's the same fucking shit every goddamn time. And I'm like, you do realize, like the lease is up in 23, right? Like we got, got, got a few years. We're we're okay, right? It's not it's not due tomorrow. And that's spoken from the mind of a procrastinator. The only way I think Corbin Burns is still here next year is if Brewers have won the World Series. Brewers have got the World Series. The Brewers got to the NLCS. So I think there'd be something like, all right, we just got here. We don't want to shake the apple cart. And that sometimes bites teams in the ass. I think we are always a little too loyal to our our guys. Sometimes we need to realize, like, all right, what's best for a team? What would be best for a team is trading Corbin Burns with some value. But the birds are like, oh, we have a shot winning the World Series this year. And, yeah, we know Corbin Burns is going to go to the Yankees or he's going to go to the Giants or he's going to go somewhere else next year. But we have a shot winning the World Series. I I have to buy that. You have to buy that idea. But I think those are qualifications. I'm not expecting Burns to be back next year, but it does feel good to win one. It feels good to win one. You don't fire agents if you if you don't believe that they screwed up the arbitration. It's clear they did. And that's, you know, it's a bummer you went with Boris, but why wouldn't you go with Boris? You're one of the best players in baseball. Of course, you go with the best agent. That's just, just how it works. You know? The best at their craft go with the best agents. Like I learned today, and then we'll wrap up today's show. I learned today that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's agent fucking runs William Morris in Denver. His name is Paul Whitesell. His 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 brother was the coach of Buffalo basketball, but he just got fired. So shout out to Jim. But anyways, like this guy is running. One of the biggest agencies, maybe the biggest Hollywood agency. And he's still Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's agent. He's running IMG with Ari Emanuel, who Ari Gold was, was based off of. And this guy is still Matt and Ben's agent. That's incredible. Think about it. But that's what shows you when you're the best, you have the best. And so for Burns to get Boris, not really, not really a huge surprise. Alright, that does it for today's show. I thought about doing some free talk. My voice is a little tired. Um, hopefully my voice comes back to life. We're getting better each day. Um, I appreciate you guys bearing with it. I'm sorry, it's not at full strength. I hopefully the chords will be uh back and rolling by by Saturday. That's really it's really my hope. Like I for the Saturday pot, I'd really like to be at full strength. And I will tell you right now, that will be a little bit of a different pot. We'll kind of talk about how we got here. What happened? Why why it didn't take off the way we wanted to? Um, I think we, I do want to talk about some sports stuff, but it won't. It'll be much ever. It'll be super evergreen. So you can listen to it whenever. Um, so don't don't worry that if you, if you aren't able to listen on Monday or Tuesday when it comes out. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Thursday. Enjoy the games tonight. Uh, I'll give you quick picks. These are straight up. No. Uh, no spreads. I haven't even looked. Um, I, like, I like Arkansas. I like UCLA. So we're going to get a 1994 championship game. Nineteen eighty five, Jim Herrick's team. They cheated. Uh, 1995 rematch. Arkansas was trying to go back-to-back uh, after they beat Duke in the 94. Uh, that's that's peak, like, my Rain Man sports knowledge. So you have uh, Arkansas – UCLA uh, winning in the West. And then I have for the East, I'm going to go Michigan State and Florida Atlantic. It'll be a brutal, like, ratings game. But I I just think Michigan – I think Izzo, with the time, he'll figure out how to, how to take down Noel. Do like that Kansas State team. I might waver on that. But my gut tells me that we're going to get an upset for FAU. Tennessee, Rick Barnes. I do have this weird, sneaking suspicion about Rick Barnes. They haven't told anybody. Um, because I don't, you know, we, we don't talk about national stuff. We talk local. Um, that this could be like Rick Barnes is Tony Bennett year, like that. He has no expectations. No one's expecting shit. He lost his point guard. They're mucking it up because the refs are terrible and allowing it. it will be interesting to see how it's officiated actually tomorrow against Florida Atlantic and they're winning basketball games. And Stan Van Gundy was not my favorite, but he said, you know, something, you know, very pointed during the Duke broadcast, where he's like, this is how, and it was a low scoring first half. He's like, this is how Rick Barnes wants to play. He wants to play in the mud, which uh Nakamura said too. And I just wonder, you know, is will Tennessee find their way to the final four? Now, would they beat Alabama or Creighton if they got there? Probably not. But I it's a, it's interesting to say the least. Tessie did take down Bama once, so who knows? Maybe they could do it again. But, yeah, I, I'm just curious. If this is maybe a chance for Rick Barnes to make a run. And he would get to his second Final Four because he went with Texas in 2003 with future buck TJ Ford. That's just me dropping a ton of NCAA tournament knowledge. I don't know if I could drop, like, all of it on you, but I, I know I'd actually would be a great game. To try to see how many Final Fours I could name. I might have to do that for myself. I'm sure there's a spot rack. Or not spot rack. That's the contract. Sp- what do you want? Sparkle? I bet there's a Sporkle Final Fours. I wonder what I would get. I might have to try that for myself. I'm sure I would forget things. But there are a lot of, I don't know, like the random one team. Like Who am I missing? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's that random Arizona year. Cincinnati made like one with Huggins way back when. It was like 93, I think. Uh, but maybe 91? I don't know. Anyways, I got to go. We're out of here. All right. Take care of yourself. Be back Friday. Uh, Friday show. I don't know if we'll have it right away in the morning. So those early morning listeners, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, I don't have to. I'm now probably working out in the morning. So probably have a few uh, soda pops. Wife isn't in the house. If you notice, the aesthetics are a little different. I'm taping upstairs. So I'm probably going to tape the pod in the morning. Um, you'll have it, you'll have it for, you know, after your first meeting, after a couple, couple cups of coffee or for your lunchtime or your ride home. So it'll be there for you. Might just be a little later. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.